So let me get this straight. You don't want to play online because everyone can see your roles and it throws off your mojo? I don't think mojo is the word you're looking for. Hello and welcome to the Grognards, yet another pandemic, self-isolating, shelter-in-place edition of the Grognards. I'm Dean Geiken. I'm Eric Hawley. And I'm Greg Ziegler. And we are all in our uh, isolation booths trying to do the best we can to get through the pandemic. And our topic for today is about how we're not going to be able to go to a lot of the conventions that may have been planned for May and June. But it's more than that. Yes, it is more than that. It is the future of AV conventions. Because I think this is going to have long-lasting effects and all aspects of life, but we're talking about in gaming. Right. Yes, I do believe so. I think that we will get back to some form of uh, normality, but in terms of game conventions, at least for, what do you think, next year, two years? So my approximation is this is going to last until January at the earliest. Okay. Um, the, the only way it's going to end is either herd immunity or a vaccine. Right. But before we get into that, yeah. we're trying to stay as normal as possible. Yeah. So this is our time to talk about the games people play. Okay, well, gentlemen, what have you been doing over the last, uh, let's see, we got together, what, two weeks ago? About that. Um, yeah. I have been running a Tuesday and Thursday evening Curse of Strahd group on Fantasy Grounds. I just played a game on Fantasy Grounds this morning. I literally just finished it about an hour ago, and I'm running a Fantasy Grounds game from 6 to 10 tonight. I played Spelljammer Pathfinder on uh, Roll20 last night from mm -hmm. 7 to 10. So I'm doing more gaming now than I was before this all started. I would have to say that I'm doing the same thing. I am kind of in the middle of what you're doing. I do some online gaming. Uh, matter of fact, we all did some uh, online gaming together with Nancy Hutchins. Um, and we did a game of uh, Are You Mental over, what was it, Roll20, right? And Discord. Roll20. And we're, I'm going to bring that up towards the end of our discussion because that's relevant to what we're going to be talking about. Right, right. And I've been doing a regular Sunday morning game with Jimmy McGuire. We're... Uh, halfway through episode five of an eight-part cooperative campaign for the Conan board game. We basically log on to FaceTime and do it that way. He has a board set up, I have a board set up, and we're doing it that way. And of and all the people I know, this pandemic thing is hitting Jimmy McGuire the worst of anybody. Yes. I mean, yes. because he just got a brand new Airstream. I know. It's sitting it's in gorgeous. his yard. It's gorgeous. I well, love those. He, he's also a banker, and he is putting in like – 15 to 16 hours a day with these small business loan applications. Well, at least that's doing some good. So, yeah, it's doing some good, but it's, it's really cutting into his, his social gaming time. Yeah. Online. Yeah. So, um, and I've also, I, I'll have to admit, I've been kind of breaking quarantine, and I've been uh, hosting a couple of game nights. Well, <laughs> you're a small town, and it's not hit the small towns as hard yet. Yeah. It's, it's sort of a slower wave. It's more of an ebb into the rural America. Yeah. What about you, Greg? Uh, I've been playing way less since then because apparently, uh, well, Eric is not married and 
Dean's wife isn't making him do a lot of chores. So, um, yeah, well, I'm, I'm doing a lot. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, and, and I'm still trying to fit in a, at least a partial day's worth of work. Um, and, um, yeah, I haven't played hardly anything. I played, um, the Are You Mental with You Guys. Last night, we finally, though, got my Star Wars game set up online. Um, and it went pretty well, I think. We, uh, we, did, we just did Discord. Uh, we found we didn't really need any other sort of crap that would go on with that. I mean, we don't, there, are no, there isn't a lot of map sharing. There's only occasional image sharing, and we can throw that in line. And I'm going to bring that up later as well, because that's also relevant. Yeah, so that uh, it, it we got we got a little bit done. I don't think it um, was much slower or less convenient than if we were in person. However, it was there was always you know the technical difficulties. It was the first time we were doing this. Um, one person was coming in on their phone, so they uh, their their connection was a little sketchy because of their location. But uh, well, once we got everything moving and going, it uh, it went pretty well. So we're gonna. Uh, we're going to play again next Friday, and then we'll be back on our every other Friday schedule. I've been doing more Steam gaming than I that I ever thought I would be doing uh, through the Steam community. Mm. Uh, it's been quite quite fun. Been doing Sagrada, um, Ticket to Ride, Memoir Forty Four, Splendor, and what else was what else was I doing? I can't remember. Uh, oh, uh, the new game that I backed. It's basically a uh, submarine, a Jules Verne submarine version of the Artemis Starship Bridge Simulator. It's it's really? a it's a submarine where you're cooperative, and uh, uh, you all log on, and you play over a website, and it's really pretty cool. I backed it and was a play tester for it. And Send it just me an invite up. for that sometime. I I love I will do that. games. Yeah. I will do that. The I other thing that I don't it doesn't bear directly on RPGs, but. Years ago, I bought No Man's Sky, which was touted as this <laughs> universe expansion, you know, and I wasn't too impressed with it. Yeah. Nobody else I, was either. Yeah, nobody no, was. Even I know about that. Actually, they have done like 14 updates, really? and I, you know, I had a lot of free time, so I'm like, let me check this out again, and it's actually a lot of fun. It's, it? If people have done it, it's, it's sort of a cross between Minecraft and... Uh, I don't know, World of Warcraft. I mean, you're building, but you're exploring, hmm. and there's some combat, but it's really light. And But the thing is, it's it's an MMO shared universe, but you are literally landing on planets that nobody's ever been to before. There's billions and billions of planets out there. So it's sort of fun. I, I don't want to get sucked into the MMO uh, time sink again, right. but if people have it and, and were like me and just sort of put it on the back shelf, um, they've actually done a lot with that game, and I'm sort of impressed. Wasn't that that was the game that when it came out, it was like a seventy dollars game, and you couldn't sell it within twenty four hours of like for even half of what you bought it for. I don't remember that, but I know there was a lot of hype. Yeah, um, it has procedurally generated worlds, which and creatures and stuff. So it's sort of cool. It's it's a. I think I probably played it for thirty hours or so, mm -hmm. and then I was like, okay, I'm going to start. I'm going to go back to Kerbal Space Program because I got some new ideas that I want to play, mess around with. But uh, just a tip for people who might have it who haven't visited it in years. Right. Well, it sounds like we're doing the best we can with gaming, most of it being online. I guess I have the, the lucky position that I can still do some in-person gaming. But uh, that kind of segues into what we're going to be talking about. Yeah. So that was our segment, Games People Play. Yeah. 
All right. So, gentlemen, uh, the future of gaming conventions. We all love going to our game conventions, but so who knows what's going to happen? I've, I've had these discussions with several different people, and it's sort of led me down this path of thinking. So it, I think it's safe to assume there's a ton of people who are now gaming online. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I had gamed online previously, but I didn't. I had both Fantasy Grounds and Roll20. I didn't really want to spend the time to become technically competent and set everything up, but now I've been forced to do that. So mm -hmm. in Fantasy Grounds, you know, I converted my uh, module that's published on DMs Guild into Fantasy Grounds, and I added that to the download so people can just pull my module into Fantasy Grounds now. With, without getting into too many details and going down the rabbit hole, was that a difficult thing to do, to convert it? Uh, not, not especially once you're used to it, it's a lot of cut and paste mm -hmm. and some of the more nuanced things. Like I have this big table of, of a hundred, you know, a D100 table and to pull all that in and get it so that it works the right way. Uh, that took a little bit of technical expertise, but once you're familiar with the basic system of fantasy grounds, which is far easier when there's other people willing to help you and sort of walk you through it, which there are now. Yeah, uh, there's, you know, locally, we have a whole group of people who are playing on both Fantasy Grounds and Roll20. And then the other aspect of that is the voice communications, right? Those, mm -hmm. those were always a pain in the neck, how to get, you know, somebody has to have Discord or use Zoom or, you know, whatever the million other ways are. Uh, but people have, have done that. They've cleared those hurdles. If you want a game nowadays, you have to do that. So it's safe to assume that there are now a ton more people playing online regularly than had played online before. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes, I would agree. And the biggest barrier to entry was that technical aspect of gaming. Once you clear that, it's pretty simple. Like it once is. you know how to use it and you know how to fire up discord, um, you're there. I mean, it's, it's just a matter of finding a game to play it. Now, an interesting side note, and this bears to what Greg was saying, previously, uh, especially RPGs, or RPGs specifically, had been drifting towards an MMO-type uh, setup mm -hmm. where, you know, it was more similar to a computer game. And this has brought theater of the mind back. It has. It truly has. Because, you know, you, you're not there sitting around the table with all of your minis and everything. Yeah, and for those who don't know, theater of the mind is you're not playing on a map, you're just talking. And I don't know, I, I believe you as well, when I started playing D&D, &D, we didn't have miniatures. It no. was all just, tell me what you do. The DM tells you what happens, and you respond. It was, I mean, you had a character sheet and you had dice, but that was it. It was, it was mostly verbal interaction. Mm -hmm. And if you go to a convention prior to, you know, the, the Great Plague, uh, <laughs> Players spend an inordinate amount of time looking at the, the map and looking at their minis and moving their minis. And that's totally contrary to theater of the mind. Right. So, so that's another aspect that now the new generation of gamers, of which there are a billion, right, there's tons of them, are now introduced to the way we started playing D&D to some extent. I would, yeah, to some extent. I'm glad you uh, kind of clarified that it's not quite the same as how we started off but yeah I, I would have to agree that so much more of it now is you know you've got to be an active listener and you've got to be an active participant and you can't spend all of your time with your nose in your character sheet trying to find out what you can do 
you need to be a little bit more uh, involved and invested in the game. Ironically, it's the lesser games that are doing that more, like Star Wars, because there's not a dedicated platform for people to play West mm -hmm. End games, D6, Star Wars. No, there's, there's <laughs> some plugins in Discord, but that's about it. Um, yeah. Yeah, the, even the Wild Die is uh, a problem. So, um, uh, however, the, the dice app that I, that we all downloaded, uh, it does, uh, accommodate exploding dice, which is nice. So yeah. when you roll the, when you roll the six and then you keep rerolling the six, as long as it comes up six, yeah, that came up. Somebody had a double explosion last night and that was, I mean, it was, it shows up in the chat window. And Has anybody was, ever made a D six that cool. actually explodes when you roll a six? Cause that, that would be cool. That would be cool. And you would sell them repeatedly. Wow. Right. I mean, because they exploded. Mm -hmm. It's a Kickstarter waiting to happen. So, so maybe now's a good time to, to do our bit because we're talking about how when back in the day when we started playing, uh, there's a website that has a Dungeons and Dragons trivia quiz and it's 40 questions. And I was thought maybe we could try to get through it together. We'll link the website in our show notes. Uh, what do you guys think about that? Let's give it a shot. Okay. I, I love getting my ass kicked. Now, yeah. it is multiple choice, but I, I'm not going to give you guys uh, all the choices. We'll see. Uh, maybe, if you can. What was the first edition? What year was the first edition of Dungeons & Dragons published? We've what covered. year was the first? When you say first edition, do you mean like 1E? Well, they have a picture of the, the, the books, the brown books with the fighter on the front. Okay. So, I think we're talking ODD. Uh, 76? Because we've talked about this, we should know it. Seventy six. I'm God. I'm waffling between three and five, so I'll say seventy five. All right. So I'm going to say seventy four because I think that's the answer. The options they give us are seventy four, eighty three, sixty nine, and eighty two. So clearly seventy four. Yeah. Okay. Who is the god orcs worship? And again, I'm not going to give you the choices because I already know this one. Grumish. Grumish. Grumish yeah. You and I know that because okay. I've I've had a problem with him before. <laughs> Which class is not included in the 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons Player's Handbook? And I'll have to give you the options. Monk, Gunslinger, Warlock, or Druid? Wait, wait. Say, say, that, say that again now. Not included in 5th edition Player's Handbook. Monk, Gunslinger, Warlock, Druid. Gunslinger? Gunslinger. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's Matt Mercer's uh, Critical Role class. What I'm was the better, first? I'm doing better than I thought I was going to. This could be tricky, except they didn't make it tricky. They they could have made it tricky, but they did. I could make better questions than this. What was the first official campaign setting created for Dungeons and Dragons? Uh, Greyhawk. Yeah, that's not fair for Eric since Eric only played. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, they put Forgotten Realms, Birthright, Ravenloft, and Greyhawk. They could have put Blackmore, but Blackmore was not published. It was the first campaign setting, but it was not the first published campaign setting. That, that's Arneson's, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. What, See, kind of, what kind of special breath weapon does a silver dragon have? Uh, uh, silver dragon. They're, my, they're one of my favorites. I should know this. Uh, I'll give you the options. Fire, cold, acid, or lightning. It's... Oh, my gosh. Is it lightning? Believe it or not, I don't necessarily... I don't think I know this one. I can it's, it's, light, it's lightning. I want to say it's lightning. lightning. Is it lightning or cold? But I think it's lightning. I agree. It's lightning or cold. I, I'm going to go with, I'll go with lightning too. Uh, I, I think, think white oh, dragons. I think white dragons lightning. are the frost. We'll go with lightning. You know what? I never have them face off against players, so I don't know. We'll go lightning. 
Yeah. Oh, we don't know. It doesn't tell us till the end. I think. Oh, shoot. In fifth edition, how does a monk gain her supernatural powers? And here's the option. She learns spells. She harnesses nature's energy. A god bestows them upon her. She yeah. learns to channel her life force or ki or kai, depending how you pronounce it. Well, uh, last one. Yeah. What, last one? Yeah. She yeah. has key. Okay. Uh, what is the name of the card game that was released specifically to play during a game of D&D? And they show Magic the Gathering cards, but the, the uh, multiple choice answers are Three Dragon Ante, Tamora's Chance. It's Three Dragon Al Ante. I've got it. Both yeah, editions. <laughs> three Dragon Ante. I agree. Yeah. What kind of undead is Count Strahd von Zorovich? Vampire, right? Vampire. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, why isn't my? It's not selecting. There it goes. What is the arcane tradition that focuses on modifying matter? I can read them if you have to, but you should know. Transmutation. Transmutation. The other ones are abjuration, evocation, and enchantment. How many copies of Dra Dungeons and Dragons were initially published? The options, and it shows the brown book again. So we're talking ODD. 1,000, 10,000, 500, or 5,000? I want to say, wait, go through the numbers again. 1,000, 10,000, 500, or 5,000? I thought it was 10,000. It wasn't that, that number. It was either 500 or 1,000. Of the first? Of the very first. It might have been 500. It was pretty low. Hmm. But they might have done a thousand because it's a nice even number. Which one do we want to go with? A thousand. You think? I was thinking five hundred. Well, one of us will be right. <laughs> right? What do you say? Uh, I'll go. With, you know, I'm going to go with the low number. I'm going to go with the super low number. Okay. Yeah. What is the faction of the Forgotten Realms that wants to acquire wealth and power at any cost? Those would be the Erics. Oh, wait, no, that's not a choice. The Zentarum, the Harpers, the Thieves' Guild, the Assassin's Blade. Harpers. That's the Harpers, yeah. Oh, the Harpers, aren't they? They're not at any cost. They're like generally goody two-shoes that sulk in the shadows. The Zentarum are evil. That sounds like at any cost. I was thinking it was going to be Lord's Alliance. Hmm. So, because they are also somewhat sketchy. They're like the nobles. I think it might, that at any cost makes it sound like the Zentarum. All right, yeah. I'll buy that. Yeah. Uh, uh, but again, we're not Forgotten Realms, guys. So if we get that one wrong, we get a pass. When a druid <laughs> reaches level 20, how many times per day can they use their wild shape ability? 20, infinite, 10, or 12? This is what class was it, though? Druid, wild yeah. shape, level 20. 20. Um, 12. I think it's equal to their level. Right? Maybe uh, not. I don't know. I don't play that many druids. It might be infinite. It might, they might be able to wild shape as much as they want at that point. But uh, What are the choices again? 20, infinite, 10, or 12. It might be their level divided by 2. Because can't they do mm. 2 at third level? I, I would say 10. I'm thinking 10. I don't know. It's either 20 or infinite, I would say. Well, infinite, though, that breaks the game because you could just yeah. lose all your hit points, wild shape the very next turn, and have you essentially have infinite hit points. So it's probably limited. 
let's say 10, because I think it's a level divided by two. That sounds familiar. What's well, the name of this? Wouldn't that be some kind? Isn't that a? Wouldn't that be like a great capstone ability though to do it at your at your level once you hit twenty? I think their capstone is they can cast spells while wild shaped. I think oh. is our capstone. I'm not positive about that either though. Uh, what's the name of the company that produced the first edition of Dungeons and Dragons? TSR Hobbies Inc., Gygax and Company, Tactical Studies Rules, War Games and Sundry. Tactical studies and rules. Yeah, TSR. TSR. Studies and rules. Yeah, so TSR Hobbies came later They had right. to, when they incorporated, so I think that's right. But then they showed the, uh, the basic box, so I don't know. Who is the titular Storm King in the adventure Storm King's Thunder? Never played it. Oldod, Rishnag, Snagogger, Hecaton. Hecaton sounds familiar. You know why Grishnag sounds familiar to me? It was Rish, one of the names. Rishnag, R-I-S-H. That doesn't sound like a giant name. That's oh, like Rishnag? Yeah. Okay, I Hecaton thought it was Grishnag. sounds familiar, though. Grishnag was one of the names of the orcs in the animated Lord of the Rings movie. Oh, all right. Well, oops, yeah. Well, let's go with Hecaton, because that's, that's the only one that even rings a bell. I never played that adventure. At level two, a rogue can do which of these actions as a bonus action? Disengage, attack, counterspell, or jump? Come on, Drake. Play the rogue. Disengage, I think. Disengage. Disengage. Yeah. That one's easy. Okay, we're at 16. We might only go to 20 here, people. Okay, yeah. Okay. We got things what, to talk about. <laughs> what year was Tomb of Horrors originally published? Ooh, that's a long time ago. 81? Okay, our options are 85, 78, 98, or 86. I'm going to go with the, the oldest one. What was it, uh, 85? 78. What was 78 it? is the oldest one, then 85. Oh, no, then it would be 78. 78. 78. Because I, I played it before I graduated high school. What is the name of Drizzt Doerden's Panther Companion? Gwynifar. Gwynifar. Okay, we'll put that. Uh, when you increase your ability scores at level up, how high can your score go as you level up? 25, 18, 30, 20. You're talking fifth edition, I assume. Say that again? How high can you raise an ability score with an ability score increase? Oh, I think... What were the options again? 25, 18, 30, or 20. I think, isn't it 20? It's 20. You can yeah. go higher with magic effects. Right. It's 19. Then we'll do 20, and then we'll just uh, skip ahead. And I'll try to get our score before the end. Who, besides Gary Gygax, is credited with writing for the first edition of Dungeons & Dragons? Dave Arneson. Dave Arneson. Arneson. And 20. How does the adventure Out of the Abyss open? Again, didn't play this one. I should do more published adventures instead of homebrew. I started that with somebody we never finished. All right, so falling into the Underdark, stumbling upon a ruined town, being held in prison, or sitting in a tavern. I think I know this. Falling. No, I think you're held in prison. Well, you are, but you escape and then you fall. Well, so it's being held in prison, right? Well, okay, so I guess that's how it is, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you start off as a prisoner, but then you end up falling like down some major like waterfall. Okay. Um, I'm just going to click through the rest of these. You guys uh, can discuss something as okay. I do that. So, um, yeah, I'm a moderator on one of the Gen Con Facebook pages. It's an unofficial Facebook page. We have no in inside knowledge or anything like that. But I'll tell you what, people are freaking the heck out about whether or not a big convention like Gen Con can even go on. Yeah. Um, 
there has been no indication that it is canceled. They have only said that they are considering. The state of Indiana says that they feel that they will be back open for the most part by July 5th. And they are planning on having the Indianapolis 500 go on, I think it's the 5th or maybe the 4th? It's in August. Oh, it's, it's been in it's August. The middle of August, yes. The, the Indy 500 has been moved to the middle of August. Okay. So, and um, yeah, Indiana is hoping to be able to have gatherings of 250 people or more sometime in July. I think that's optimistic. It is optimistic, but at least, you know, it's better than not trying to restart your state. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't see them having, you know, Gen Con 65 or 70,000 people, whatever, I can't see them having that many people. Even if this, you know, subsides, you're just asking for trouble. In late July, I just can't see it happening. Uh, okay, really quickly, uh, Silver Dragon Cold Breath, I think we cold. said. We said lightning. Uh, lightning. Yeah, I was thinking, um, what did we say for uh, how many copies? Did we say uh, I said 1,000, and you said 500. Yeah, 1,000. Uh, Zentarum was correct. They can wild shape infinite times. Wow. Who would have known? We got tactical studies rules right. We got Hecaton right. Uh, 78 for Tomb of Horrors, which I sort of already knew because it had two versions. One was a really crappy cover, and then the other one was uh, more colorized, and the pictures were, were also different. Um, we got the rest of them correct. And oh, being held in prison is how the adventure starts. Okay. So, right. so we got that right too. So, you know, we'll link that and hopefully people take it before they listen to our answers and solutions. Um, so, so back to the discussion at hand, you know, the, these conventions are, this is going to impact them for long term. Like you said, I, know, I can't see them having large conventions or even medium sized conventions. You just can't have enough space to distance people. Right? How are you going to put people six feet away from each other at a table? So, and that's probably going to go on until at least January. So we're looking at nine months of people playing online at least. How is that going to impact things when this finally goes away is what I've been thinking about. I was thinking about that in more than in the capacity for this podcast because um, I, you know, I'm gaming online with my friends, but I don't want that to continue. I honestly don't really it's not as enjoyable for me yes it's fun but there is something really missing for me this is just personally i will do everything i can to go back to face to face i agree i i think yeah. that it is not the same experience and especially from the perspective of running games i it is not as fulfilling to run an online game as it is to sit down because most of the time you don't have video so you're not seeing players reactions to whatever you're doing mm -hmm. you don't really get to know people because people no. will start talking over one another so they tend you not to can't do that in discord yeah it, that doesn't work in discard discord but so so clearly it's not going to replace online gaming is not going to replace conventions i mean there's also the dealer hall in conventions or great That's the first time you went to gen con you just you went just to walk through the dealer hall Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, so, yeah. so that's, that's got its appeal, but people will have developed these skills for gaming that if you want to play a game of D and D and you got some time, a, 
a large group are going to say, let, let me just play online. Right. You're absolutely right. I think that we've kind of crossed a, uh, an obstacle, whether it be truly technological or just the fear of doing it online by people who would rather not. And now it's going to be, uh, it's just going to be easier for people to do this. Yeah, yeah, my, so, my, yeah, my Star Wars group, none of I, I was the only one in that bunch who had ever played an online game before last night. Yeah. You know, out, of, out of five people. But you're going to have how many months of experience doing it by the time this ends? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're going right. to be Discord rolling left and right. And the question is, when this is over, I mean, you constantly complain about people not showing up, your game gets canceled. If you could just have somebody attend virtually, might you do that to keep the game going? Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one, well, one of our members just moved to Bloomington, although she's, she's, I think, opting to not come back. But one of our other members, he's moving to Bloomington in another month or two. I mean, we're going to lose two of our five players to Bloomington. And I'm, I, I imagine as long as we're playing online, Matt will probably continue. And as far as playing any place, the, the one, uh, one, of, one of my players, she has a lot of health issues and she frequently doesn't show up. She played last night. She was in the hospital. She was playing from her hospital bed at Carl. Wow. On her phone. Wow. A lot. Other than the fact that she didn't have her notes with her and stuff, it was it was pretty seamless. I mean, okay. really. Well, Dr. Henry plays when he's on call for the ICU at Carl. So they nice. got, got people playing on both ends. Eric, you sent along a article for us to read, which was, you know, titled online gaming is changing D and D forever, which was yeah. basically clickbait uh, title. And it was, it was pretty much a, a, a pointless and useless article, except for that one point that they did have in there that made good sense was that the, the obstacle of scheduling yes. is no longer an issue at this point. And that's, that's the other thing. So, But we, we have to remember, a lot of people have a lot more free time because either they're not working or they can't work. Like in the case of Greg and I, we both work in an educational facility and the students are gone. And a big part of our day is being involved with the students. Yeah. And it's not that we're not working. It's just that it's a lot harder to fill that extra time. And we don't have to drive and we don't have to do the other things like yeah. the events and such. Mm -hmm. so. I'm getting a lot more sleep. The thing is, so we have conventions, and I have a little spreadsheet that I keep track of my conventions because I normally attend about 14 or so conventions a year, right? Well, if you're playing online, there's no specific date. Like, you can go on to Warhorn, and there is probably a convention going on somewhere. As long as you adjust for the time zone, you can have mm -hmm. a convention weekend any weekend you want it. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a local convention anymore. It doesn't have to be local anymore, right? Nope. So the distance doesn't matter. The other thing, you know, there's some players, like in Adventures League, I, there are a large number of Adventures League players who go to a convention and just play Adventures League. Yeah. Well, if that's what I'm doing, and I'm going to Gen Con, and I'm paying $800 for a hotel room, why would I do that? Mm, there is that. I you do know? think that... It, what will happen at least for the next few years if there's still a concern in the general public of contaminating each other convention numbers are going to be down yeah i mean even oh, yeah. if gen con happens this year it's going to be half the size yes which to me i know that i'm going regardless um i'm okay with that 
if there's fewer people. I know there's going to be fewer events, fewer things to do, but I'm still okay with that. Yeah. It'll still be bigger than any convention I normally go to. I would probably attend, but I would run my workshops and I would hide in my hotel room. <laughs> I don't think, I mean, I don't do much outside of that anyway. Yeah. You're a healthy guy. You could, you, you, you've got a good immune system. I probably, yeah. I mean, but like I said, that's what I do anyway. So yeah. Gen Con doesn't change dramatically. The big thing is I have that VIG badge, which for those who don't know, costs like, I don't know, $600. And they have a clause in there. If you don't, attend Gen Con for one year, you lose the VIG badge. Yeah, but they can't hold that against you if they... You would think, but that needs to come out officially. Yeah. Right? Um, so, so there's for some people, they're going to look at this and go, okay, you know, I'm not going to attend. So we will see a decrease in convention attendance, right? And we'll probably see a more stable group of players that play online. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that leads me to sort of like the final step which is as a game master why am i going to run at your online convention right if i if i run it at a regular convention i get something out of it and then i get to interact with people i might not otherwise meet i get to put on a good game and there's some but online that sort of falls by the wayside i don't see that and and i might also get swag right they might give mm -hmm. me some the newest game book or something Online, you don't get much of that. They could still give you swag, I suppose, if they have it. But usually that's only charity conventions. Right. And right. I would still be willing to run games at charity conventions because I feel like I'm contributing something. To stuff. But otherwise, if there's a lot of online conventions, you're going to have to somehow motivate people to want to run games at, at those conventions. Right. And at the same, uh, with the same token, um, I also like to GM, but I don't GM RPG games. I run normally board games. And it's a lot harder to find those board games online or a version of them online to run. There's a lot more work involved. And a lot more work. And they don't exist like, um, I should say the technology isn't there or the, the prep work hasn't been done for them like it has been for RPGs because so much of the RPGs are theater of the mind. Board games, you don't have that. Yeah, yeah, you so, have some setup. Right. And so for me, online gaming will be a deficit to my enjoyment of trying to join in on these online conventions. Yeah. So now let's circle back to where we started. And we talked about we all played in Nancy Hutchins' game, Are You Mental? Mm -hmm. And how did we sign up for that? We signed up through it through tabletop events. Yeah. Much like a regular convention, we bought a ticket. It was five bucks. Five dollars. And it covers basically the rest of the summer. Yeah, it was spring. She labeled it as spring for yeah, three so months. So it's like maybe like 20 dates throughout spring and early summer. Yeah, and if you can fit into a game, you sign up. They don't charge you to sign up. So right. now the, the, my final thought here, are we actually going to see the development of professional game masters because of this? You it's know, it's kind of like that. So, I mean, yeah. if you yeah. wanted to run a game one night a week, every every night of the week, two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday, and charge five bucks a seat, that's thirty bucks. That's one hundred and fifty plus another. That's two hundred and seventy dollars a week. You're only working four hours during the week, right? Mm -hmm. You could try to maybe schedule a midday game. Yeah, you're not making a ton of money doing it, but you're but making money. You're making money, and you're playing D and D. 
And I think people would pay that. Yeah. Especially if you get, get a reputation as a game master. I'm a big fan of the book Dream Park by Larry Niven, Stephen Barnes. And in that book, they have amusement parks that, you know, it's basically like LARPing D&D, but they yeah. use technology. If you've never read it, it's a good book to read. And people who design adventures become renowned and players want to play through their adventures. We might actually see the rise of the professional game master come out of this at some point. And you'll probably see the rise. Yes, yeah. And you'll probably see the rise of more of these private individual, uh, individually run game conventions. Yeah. Like what Nancy is doing. Um, she's a big gamer. She's a very popular GM at some of the game conventions that she goes to. And a lot of people were very disappointed that she wasn't able to, or they weren't able to play with her at the uh, game convention. So she made one of her own and it worked out pretty well. We all three were part of a, uh, an online mini convention that Nancy Hutchins uh, produced, organized, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Not quite the professional GM because she's no. only making $5 per person. She's right. I mean, she is a very good GM, but the game itself was done through Roll20 and, um, and Discord. Discord. And the game is very rules light. And of course, it's meant to kind of poke fun at RPGs, your uh, mental patient trying to escape. With a superpower. With a superpower, or at least you think you have a superpower. Um, and yeah, so that's the trick. It's always, you know, it's just supposed to be fun, lighthearted, and very tongue-in-cheek. But um, there was so much missing from when I've played it as an actual in-person game. Um, yeah. So, you, so, hey, you, so are you the, you're the only one that's played it before, right? Yes. Yes. Of the three of us? Yeah, we and, were supposed uh, to play it together at GaryCon, and yeah, that and got I canceled. Was, yeah, I was signed up for it at GaryCon, too. And I will tell you that we missed out on a bunch of fun that we would have had around a table as opposed to around our computer. Yes. Screens. It's very much a social game, yes. right? It's, it's focuses a lot on the interactions between players and you're a lot. It's very role play heavy where, you know, you think these things, but they might or might not be true. And that's where I think that gaming will not change because people will still always prefer. I think the on uh, the face to face around a table game, but it will just simply be easier for people yeah. to game. You know, I, it, it sort of relates. I see a lot of questions online where somebody will post, you know, we've been playing D&D &D for a year and this guy and his girlfriend are part of the group. And the other day she walked in on him banging her best friend. So should we still play D&D &D together? <laughs> and you're like, okay. So, you know, my, my rote response to that is D&D &D is a social activity. If it was any other social activity, how would you deal with it? If this guy and this girl cannot be in the same room together anymore and they right. detest each other's very presence, clearly it's not going to work in any activity, right? Exactly. Yes. I don't care. You know, if you hate somebody's guts, you're not going to join in on a game just because they happen to be on a computer. Yeah. So I mean, it's the same deal. If, if yeah. what you're getting out of gaming is that social aspect you know, that, that socialization, that's not quite the same online. Right. Yeah. For a lot of games, especially Are You Mental. I don't think Are You Mental translates well or as well to online play. I don't think so. Um, there are some games that do and some games that just don't. Yeah. I, I, I had a nice time with it, but that's, you know, I hadn't played before and now I, I think I would enjoy it better a second time since I'm over the 
and, the, and the first thing Greg did was split the party. Just keep that in mind. He did. Uh, I was not the first one that ran off. Um, <laughs> no, you were the first one that ran off looking to get on a horse and ride around town. Oh, details, so, details. Uh, and then I followed you over to where the horses were. So I believe you were the one that exploded the party. We should try it one more time um, now that everybody's learning curve is flattened, so to speak. And it's an interesting mechanic, rule mechanic, for how things are resolved. And we didn't really get to play with that a lot. I would like to have seen more of that. But yeah, yeah. So, well, uh, gentlemen, I think that uh, we're going to keep on gaming however we want to game. I just hope that conventions don't take too big of a hit that – uh, we have fewer of them, fewer of them to go to yes. in the future. And mark my words, this is the beginning of the professional game master. This, this mark, it will mark it on the calendar. See if my my prognostication is accurate. It will definitely give a boost to that. Yep, yeah, I agree. So, Greg, I think that's it. So, take us out because you are our professional outro guy. I'm the outro guy, and if you want to find out uh, what we're up to, we still hop on Facebook, where we are the Grognards. You can uh, peek in on Twitter from time to time, where we are at TGrognards. On Instagram, we are the underscore Grognards, and our good old school email is gamers at thegrognards.com. All right, and for the Grognards, I'm Dean Geiken. I'm Eric Hawley. And I'm Greg Ziegler. Game on.